Welcome to Where I'm From, the podcast that proves that no matter how far you go, you'll always keep a little piece of home with you. I'm Bill Meeks. Welcome back for part two of our interview with Dave Thune, who you might know from shows like I Am Not Okay With This, Good Girls, or The New Night Court, which he was just on last week. Last episode, we talked about Dave's past in Cedar Grove. This week, we'll be focusing more on Milwaukee and his transition into a Hollywood career. You're off rhythm. From now on, you're just mouthing. All right, let's talk to Dave. We're going to do another game. This is called What If It Happened Here? Now, Dave, you've been in a zillion TV shows and movies. So in this game, I'll give you a film or TV project you've been involved with and challenge you to tell me how it would be different if it took place in Cedar Grove. Make sense? Let's hear it. Yep. Okay. First up, Good Girls. Good Girls. If it took place in Cedar Grove, when I grew up, there are far less places to uh, rob. They have very few (laughs) options. So they're going to burn through it really quickly. Uh, They have one street in which to rob from. That is Main Street because that is where all the businesses were. And we'd all know them and we'd all know their business because word travels fast in a small town. They would be caught within a week. But the punishment, pretty light. They'd be be pretty (laughs) light. We'd probably forgive them. We'd always know what they did. And that would always be held over their head. But they'd probably be able to continue pretty easily in the town. So suburban moms get a pass in Cedar Grove. Good to know. Good to know. For any uh, aspiring criminals out there, go to Cedar Grove. (laughs) Okay. The Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. They'd be commuting for their job uh, because they're all like, what, physicists or or, or, um, chemists or astrologists? Whatever they are, they're not super astronomists, smart. not astrologists. Astronomists, <laughs> astronomists, <laughs> astrology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, wouldn't fit in Cedar Grove. We, yeah. uh, neither, neither one. Their apartments would not look as cool, <laughs> you know, quirky and whatnot. They'd be way more boxy and plain. They'd have already gotten married. They've all gotten married <laughs> way sooner, and they'd all have kids way before t- season twelve. Yeah, I love this idea, though. Like, it, it could be, like, someone who had a proclivity for science and they never got out of Cedar Grove, so they're, like, I don't know, like a bartender or something in town. And they're always, like, man, like, physics. Like, I can do physics. I can really do fi- No, you don't believe me. What could have been? Okay, the Connors. The Connors. That's probably pretty accurate. Probably pretty close to what it was. <laughs> they're a pretty normal family. Uh, then they, uh, I think, same, same. They're doing great, except they'd venture for the Packers and not the Bears. All right, uh, Santa Clarita Diet. Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, my gosh. Uh, before I s- explain, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this about all of these shows that you're talking about. Um, I have, if we wanted to go into, we don't, we don't have time. I could go into how nice, the, uh, the whole cast, all the cast, nice. And minimal, professional. Uh, but always at least one person on the cast who is like, really nice and really talking when you're a co-star or a guest star on a show you you just you don't know the people as well it's like any other thing in life where it's like you don't know the person you don't talk to them as much that's anywhere else in life same on tv uh but there'd always be someone that was like nicer and like be warmer and whatever and with santa Clarita diet that's drew barrymore's in that show she came up to me and my co-star who was also with me or guest star whatever our, our title was at that point 
and like introduced herself. It was like, hi, I'm Drew. And how, whatever you think she is, like however nice you think she is by her, like her persona that we see on TV and movies, accurate, accurate. She was so nice. She was so sweet. She took the time. She talked with us for a while, was laughing. It was just like awesome. She was awesome. They're all awesome. She was awesome. The Santa Cruz diet took place in, uh, in, in, in um, uh, Cedar Grove. Uh, I think we'd be happy because we're it's a meat eating town. We love beef. <laughs> we love uh, we love red meat. So there's probably something uh, that we that would appeal to us there. I think it would work out well. It'd work well. There's there's probably one or two people running around as nice as Drew Barrymore. I'm sure. Absolutely, you kidding me? Got that Midwest nice thing going on for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, uh, this this is a little bit of a weird one, but I threw it in here because my son London is obsessed with this show. Adam ruins everything. If it was locked into Cedar Grove, Adam ruins everything. Yeah, if it was locked into Cedar Grove, I worry that we would be mad at all of the truths he's uncovering about uh, the whatever you know the way he the way he operates. He's also mm-hmm. a little bit left leaning. And uh, we would, it would, he would have to skew toward the right a little bit, uh, a little more conservative, Adam, please. <laughs> and uh, we'd have to also PG it up because that gets a little bit, um, it gets a little lewd and crude on that show. And mm-hmm. I've been in those episodes, so we'd have to, we'd have to clean it up. It'd be a PG sh- show for sure. And if not, Cedar Grove will ruin Adam. So <laughs> <laughs> we're taking him down. <laughs> so this one I pulled I could I didn't look for any information on the production at all but it was a very interesting title. You might not even remember it. Teenage Mountain Lion. Teenage Mountain Lion. You kidding me? Absolutely I remember Teenage Mountain Lion. My friend Ali Gondor who's on my improv team at UCB called Bangarang um mm-hmm. is part of uh is part of that group. They're not called Teenage Mountain Lion and now their name of their group is escaping me. Um the waitlist I was a principal in that show, and I, 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 we don't have any mountain lines. We'd have to change it to, I don't think we have any mountain lines. Certainly no teenage mountain lines. If it was take, taking place in Cedar Grove, we'd, that would definitely have to be a um, a deer, a white-tailed deer. <laughs> <laughs> um, he turns into a white-tailed deer, and then we'd hunt him. And uh, uh, that, but I will say about that show, I remember when I was doing that, it's a, it's a short-lived, it's a short-lived uh, <laughs> little, like, um, Really, it's an internet show, but it, Hulu at the time Hulu was new, and Hulu was going to be airing it. And I remember them telling me that, and I remember a couple things. One, I thought they were so nice and funny, and they were younger than me. They still are younger than me, <laughs> and but they were just like college, just out of college. And so I just remember thinking, like, because I was like in my early thirties, I was like, these young guys are ap- getting after it. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm so excited about their like tenacity and creativity, and. uh probably a little jealous too but they would ask me to be a part of things and i was so grateful to be part of it and i would always be like i'm so thankful these funny people are asking me to be a part of this i I really love them but that was early early days of hulu and they would air it and at the time i was like this is it you guys are hulu's this new thing you're gonna be stars and millionaires uh and i thought Mm -hmm. you're gonna be a tv show on this new streaming platform we didn't really understand (laughs) what streaming was at that point i don't think yeah Uh, at least i didn't it didn't that did that isn't what happened but they're all doing great. It was so exciting to me. It's very interesting to hear about that time in the industry versus this time where, you know, a lot of streaming services are falling off and, you know, like it, 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 it's still not a settled right. ground at all. It's still a little bit wild west, but certainly in, in back then, which was like 2010, 2011, it mm-hmm. was truly like 
it really was wild west and, and who knew what would happen where but it was crazy one last one here bear with me audience i'm going to be saying a lot of letters ntsf sd svu uh they, i believe it's an adult swim show right it's an adult swim show it's a crazy show but it's super funny paul shear is like a big part of that obviously i'm going to tell a little bit of story about that one too if that show took place in, I don't know, the city would burn, the town would burn down because it'd be too much mayhem. It'd be too insane. There would never be that many crimes. There would never be that many crazy things going on in, uh, in, in, in that town. They'd have to be solving way more crimes of like people putting firecrackers in mailboxes and stuff like that. Like that would be as insane as it would get, uh, at, at least when I grew up. Who yeah. is, I'm gonna, I'm, this is the story I'm gonna tell. Now I can't think of his name, it escapes me. Every single time he was in, he had a bit of a comeback. You might know this guy, You'll uh, if I explain the name. He had a comeback. He was in, um, he was in Jackie Brown. He was like the bail bondsman. Yeah, uh, Robert something. Robert he was Forrester. In, yeah, Robert Forrester. He was in Breaking Bad too. Yeah, yeah, you got it. So Robert Forrester, he's on this episode. All right, and I don't do well in this episode. I did not have my lines down very well. Uh, mm. I thought I did, but. The one thing you have to do as an actor, you got to have your lines down. Like, the basic thing. You should also understand the story and stuff like that. But, like, you got to know what these stinking words are. And so I practiced it at home. Um, and it was, like, a big chunk for me, a big chunk of dialogue. But I practiced it at home, but I didn't practice it with anyone. So I was just saying it to myself or, uh, yeah, I was just, like, saying it to myself. So I never heard another human say it. There, I never heard a, another human say their lines or me have to respond to them saying their lines. And that threw me off big time. I was just not, I was a newer actor at that point. I forget what year that was. I should have known my lines better than that. But that, I didn't know how to do it well. Mm -hmm. um, but I was cheap, I, I was cheap talent uh, at that <laughs> point. And I had probably had some kind of like, hey, this guy might be okay. Cause he's, I was also like UCB and they knew me through UCB, which is where I did a lot of improv and so did they. So I didn't do great. And I was pretty down on myself. Uh, I think my scene was with Brett Gelman. He's so funny. And he was like destroying it, of course. And we had to like do it over and over again. I'm just like battling and I am sweating bullets and I'm embarrassed. Uh, Cause I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't deserve to be here or whatever. They're all, June, Diane, Raphael and Paul Shear are still so kind to me. They're being so nice about it. It's unbelievable. They're so nice. It's really, truly, they were godsends. Anyways, I'm sitting next. Uh, I got time between whatever we're doing, right? And Robert Forster's in the episode. And he also has time. So we're just like sitting in this, um, I forget what lot we're on, but it's like, uh, let's say Universal or Paramount or somewhere. And so it's like a fake city uh, lot. Mm -hmm. But we're like sitting on a park bench in this on this fake street in the middle of nowhere. And Robert, I'm feeling down or whatever. So I'm just like looking to get, have some take anyway, any of this by, uh, get me to think about anything else. Anyways, so <laughs> I asked Robert, I'm like, hey, because I knew him for Jackie Brown and stuff. I'm like, hey, what was it like when you first started? Because I was also starting. I was like, what was it like in the beginning? Like, do you remember what your first job was and where you were, where you're coming from? And so he told me like where he came from mm -hmm. and and what his first gigs were like when he first got to LA and what he was doing. I wish I could remember these details now. But I was like mesmerized. He was just like so kind and just like letting me sit and listen. And he knew I was probably struggling a little bit. And he was like offering words of encouragement. He's like very nice about it. But he just like told me about his journey. And he's, he's like, and then he's like, he's like, I didn't work for years. You know, like Jackie Brown really like was the thing that like picked him back up. But he was like talking about the downward part of it, which is like so interesting to me. And mm -hmm. uh, he, so he's telling me those parts of it. And I was just enthralled by him. And he was so kind. And then he's like, hey, I have a little gift for you. 
I have a little gift for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so nice enough to do that. And he's like, it's in my trailer. There's a duffel bag in my trailer and there's going to be a bunch of little boxes in there. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to your, tra- I'm not going inside your trailer <laughs> there. What are you kidding me? It's insane. He's like, no, no, it's fine. Go, go, go. I was like, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but he's like, no, no, do that. Remember. And he like asked me a couple of times, like, okay, I'll, I'll go. And so after I was done, mercifully done with my day, um, I went and in my trailer, there was like a little letter from like June and Paul. And they're like, so glad to have you. So thankful to have you here. And they're so nice. But I went into Robert Forrester's trailer by myself. Uh, <laughs> and I felt insane. But he had a duffel bag in there. And I'm like rooting through his stuff. I felt I'm like, if anyone comes in here, I, I don't know what to tell them. Uh, <laughs> but he had, all but, he had a bag with like a bunch of little boxes in it. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed one. I took it. And it was this like stainless steel Ooh. letter opener. And wow. He had a bunch of them. And I've talked to other people who also have these from him. And he would give them out. He would just give them out to people on set. He's like, I give them out to everyone on set or like all the, maybe all the cast. Um, yeah. Because I was part of the cast that day. I got this silver letter opener or a stainless steel or whatever you want to call this thing, aluminum. Wow. And I, I think about him all the time <laughs> when I got this and being in his trailer by myself. Do you think he he just bought like a uh, gross of uh, letter openers yeah. or what? Hundred wow, percent, so. <laughs> absolutely. Because there's no engraving or anything on it; they're just plain. Yeah. But I bet we all have them. Wow, a, yeah. a Robert Forrester letter opener. Yeah. <laughs> what if it happened here? Thanks to that exclusive, I'd like to say you've won the game. I mean, it was stiff competition. Oh, yes. Yes. But you win. Did I beat Toblowski? You did ble- beat Toblowski. Absolutely. Because yes. he's he's yes. not here to defend his crown. So you absolutely beat Toblowski. And he never will be. And Dave, you're going to love your prize. Oh. Your prize is an ad read that we're going to cut to right now. And then we'll be back to talk more <laughs> with Dave about... Uh, all sorts of stuff. What a pot of gold. Where I'm From is brought to you by Streen Studio. That's S-T-R-E-A-N-N Studio. The web app that puts you in charge of the live show. Stream Studio allows you to take your streaming game to the next level by allowing you to stream to multiple platforms at once. If you want to go to Twitch, if you want to go to YouTube, you can stream to all of those platforms at once get feedback from your audience, and most importantly, it puts you in control of the show. Now, Stream Studio has several packages that work for just about any type of broadcaster. From the free plan, where you can stream with a watermark, all the way up to the gold plan, where you can have up to eight guests, you can stream to as many social platforms as you want, you can get a web link to share your show with external audiences, and you can even get an iframe so you can embed your live stream show directly into your website. Hey, I love Stream Studio so much, I'm using it to produce this show. I want to thank Stream Studio for supporting where I'm from. And you can give this fantastic software a spin and support where I'm from at the same time. Just head over to our website at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from and click on the Stream Studio banner so they know we sent you their way. And we want to thank Stream Studio for sponsoring uh, where I'm from. Go check it out. 
great, great service. Dave, let's talk some Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee's the best. So what were the college years like for uh, in Milwaukee for Dave? College years were three years. I took. I was a five-year. I, I had that super senior status. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I'll be honest. A bunch of my friends from high school also transferred, were either at Milwaukee or transferred to Milwaukee the same year I did. So I, my, my college friends were a lot of them, most of them, same mm-hmm. as my high school friends, <laughs> the people I hung out with, I hung out with some people definitely that were not from where I'm from, but I hung out with a lot of people that were from my school in Cedar Grove, or they were in the same conference that Cedar Grove played sports in. So did uh, my, did I get to a bigger city? Absolutely. Did I hang out with the same small town people? Absolutely. And I loved it. It was great. I'll say uh, my college was kind of similar in that I went to college. I ended up going to college when I left UCLA, probably 40 minutes from my high school. So there was a lot of crossover. Did you notice that, you know, relationships change between high school and college? Because a lot of the people who were like my mortal enemies in high school, when we got to college, they were cool. I'd go to their dorm room. We'd smoke weed together, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I had any like real mortal enemies in high school. Um, I think mm-hmm. I was somewhat affable, but, uh, I definitely got closer with some of them, um, than I, than I was people who were just like more acquaintances got closer. Although really the people that I, I gravitated toward in college were honestly the same people that I'd gravitated toward in high school. So we were all kind of made, made close. I, I, truly, I have like, I, I'm in such a good position where I have lifelong friends that were, that were with me in high school and college and afterwards. So I got to like have shared experiences with a, a, a lot of close people that we can always talk about and go back on. So whenever I go home, I get to see people that I know and have loved for so long and have lots of experiences with. I, I, I loved college. I loved Milwaukee. It's quiz time. <laughs> what do we have? Milwaukee is known for uh, beer and breweries and stuff. I was wondering, do you have any anecdotes or stories about the the beer or breweries in Milwaukee? I'll tell a couple things about Milwaukee beer, Milwaukee breweries, some things that maybe you could do and, and I think that are fun. One, if you're ever in Milwaukee, do the do the Miller tour. Do the Miller tour. It's pretty it's a it's a macro brewery, obviously. But it's a good one, and they have these like catacombs that you get to go mm. through a little bit of that are super old that they used to use more. Now they're just for like tour purposes or whatnot. <laughs> but they used to like do it for like storing whatever they're storing down there because it's cold down there. Uh, another thing I think is fun is I, I don't know if they still do it. I'm hoping they still do it. But I did this years ago. Let's say around Halloween, that area, fall, let's say. They would do they. A group of people would do this um, beer baron cemetery tour. So you would meet at this bar that has like the oldest operating bowling alley in Wisconsin, if not the U.S. It's super old. And it's got like two lanes. Uh, It's like still at hand. You have to put the (laughs) pins up by hand or whatever. 
But uh, you'd start there. You'd have like a beer or whatever. And then they'd take you to this big cemetery. And this big cemetery is where a lot of the beer barons are buried. Uh, Miller is not. But like Schlitz is there, which is a big one. Blatz is there, which is mm-hmm. a big one, at least in Wisconsin, Milwaukee it is. And there's a few other like notable beer barons is what they call them. Yeah. And you could do a tour and they and they talk about the history of beer in Wisconsin, beer in Milwaukee. And at one point you go past, I think it's Schlitz and it's like a big burial tomb or whatever, because like his whole family's in there or whatever. Yeah. Are they buried in uh, beer barrels? Big beer barrels. They threw them. They up and then they yeah. uh, tossed them down Niagara Falls, and uh, <laughs> and then they buried them in Milwaukee. It was really fun. The sludge that's left. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Uh, so then, but during this tour, you get to like a guy will come out dressed as like Jeff Joseph Schlitz, and he'll come <laughs> from behind the thing, and he'll like be him, and he'll give you a little like story about my family started schlitz brewery and, and so you get to like listen <laughs> to this thing and it's so fun and it's really great it's to- it's totally worth it there's also just like a bunch of old brewers these aren't like great stories i realize but like if you're ever in milwaukee go do these things go to von trier it's this old german bar there's so many old bars in milwaukee there's so many bars there's so many bars in milwaukee in wisconsin it's so concentrated go to a bunch of these old historic bars that i think are gorgeous and uh, and they're super fun and worth going to. But definitely do some of these brewery tours. Go to Lakefront; it's a great one. Go to Sprecher. Sprecher is an awesome beer tour, and you get to drink at all these. And one of them, you could do a thing where they do you get on a boat, Ooh. goes down the Milwaukee River, and it stops at various breweries: Rock Bottom Brewery, Lakefront Brewery, uh, and like two others. And you just get on the boat and you go down the river, and you stop at another brewery. You go through the tour, you drink more beer if that's your thing, and uh, it's. <laughs> really fun it's great I it's love like it. it's like a party bus but a boat it 100 percent is it is like a party bus but a boat good evening everybody and welcome to comedy sports I when improv works can i help you again boom that just happened it looks easy Milwaukee's comedy sports has been making it look easy for 33 years so when i say clap everybody clap all right. Well, uh, you know, we've talked drinking. Yeah. We've talked me messing up the ad read. You did great. Thank you very much, sir. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and get into one of your big concentrations, improv. You you got your start in Milwaukee, right? At Comedy Sports. Yeah. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you kind of fell into improv and your experience there? So the way that goes is I credit my sister, Suzanne, for that. So I'm in college and I still like funny stuff and I'm a theater major, but I didn't, I wasn't a theater major till my fifth year of college. So I'm truly like in name only at the time like la acting was an actual possibility for me that, that, that wasn't even on my radar mm-hmm. but i knew i'm like i just need a job i need a degree of something so i can get an office job and i was a communications major but going into my fifth year i'm like i don't really care about communications that much but I'm like i like theater i just need a degree so i went to my advisor and he's like you have a lot of credits let's get you out of here <laughs> so uh I switched my major to theater, but I didn't like do any plays. I did one community theater play in Random Lake uh, for my friend Ryan Klug, who uh, was putting on Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I was Ruben, but I was also, but it was, uh, I was not a great singer, but you know, I could do comedy <laughs> or whatever. But I, I wasn't doing anything theater related. I was just like going to school. But my sister and I used to watch Whose Lines It Anyway, that short form improv show uh, on, com- it would be on Comedy Central at the time, all the time. It was a British version at that time. And Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles, uh, and Greg Proops and all those guys. And we would watch it all the time. And I watched it all the time. 
And comedy sports, when my senior year, we had a lock-in after my the junior prom, my senior year, there's a lock-in. After the prom, we'd all go to this place and they'd lock you in for the night. The sports court in Kohler, Wisconsin, you could play like a bunch of sports. They had like fake gambling and entertainment and stuff like that. Oh, just so you wouldn't like go out and party all night. Gave kids a place to go. Yeah. And, uh, and then probably keep people from having sex and stuff like that. <laughs> so comedy sports came to this lock in. It's the first time I'd seen comedy sports in person. It's a lot like whose lines it anyway. And I got to like be one of the volunteers and I wasn't funny, but they really helped me out. Uh, but that's the only time I saw it. So I was like, okay, I saw them. And then, so years later, I'm in college, I'm in the fifth year. And my sister is like, Hey, did you know comedy sports is out here? They do classes. I was like, they do classes. No, I did not know that. She's like, they do. You should like do that. So I looked into it. I was like, I'll take a class. So I took a class because she noticed it. I never probably would have done it otherwise. And I liked it. And about a year and a half into it, um, I just graduated college. I'm at my first job at Northwestern Mutual. They asked me to start doing professional shows. So I'm 22, 23 at this point. I'm going to say 23. Uh, and uh, I'm in Milwaukee and I'm doing comedy sports. Comedy sports started in like 84. It started in Milwaukee. Uh, Dick Chud, now the owner, took ideas from theater sports, which is up in Canada, and turned it into a more competitive format. Uh, two teams and a referee, but it's all improv and jokes and games, stuff like that. And then it's yeah. since like spread throughout the U.S. There's one and there's not I don't know if there's one in L.A. anymore, but there was and I did it. Uh, but they were all over the place. Ireland, the U.K., Chicago, North Carolina, all these places, right? Whatever. Uh, but I started doing shows and that was my beginning of doing improv was back in. I took started classes in 99 and by 2001 Valentine's Day is I, I say my first professional show Valentine's Day of 2001 is when I did my like first professional show and then I started doing it on my nights and weekends all the time as much as I could possibly do it I put my availability in every week and I would do it as much as I could at a day job but on my nights and weekends they're eaten up by comedy sports just out of curiosity and I don't think you'll be putting anyone out here because it's been years ago now how, how much would a professional improviser in Milwaukee make for a show more than other cities. More, more than, than other cities. cities. I'll really? tell you what, I made more doing improv in Milwaukee than I've ever made in LA. In Milwaukee, mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's changed now, there for like an in-house show, 25 bucks, 30 bucks a show, something like that. Definitely worth my while. Definitely get paychecks. Mm -hmm. And then you do we do remote shows for colleges or businesses, bar mitzvahs, um, Boy Scout troops, everything, church groups, everything. That's where the real money is. That's where the real money is. And that would be like anywhere between like 80 to 120 bucks a show. And for a part-time job, making people laugh, it was awesome. I There were guys, we did so many shows. I did a day job, so I didn't do all these shows. But there were, we had, we did so many shows, corporate shows, that some people were making a living off it. Is it a great living? No. But they were able to like pay their rent. One guy had a house. Uh, it was also cheaper back then. Everything was cheaper, but uh, you could do it. They had a handful of guys that were just making it, you know, work, at least getting by. Uh, but it was certainly a great part time job uh, compared to out here where now it's different because we just started paying performers a little bit. But for years, I unless I did a, a random corporate show, which were far and few between one a year, maybe when I did comedy sports and UCB, maybe there are other people doing more. Not I wasn't, but none of my no in-house shows paid anything. And I, in fact, I was shelling out cash for coaches and for classes. I was losing parking. money. I was, it was yeah. like I said, parking, like I was, I was bleeding money, but there I was making money. So 
way more than anywhere else I'd ever been and way more than most cities anywhere. That's good to know. You aspiring improvisers out there, go to Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great living, but you can. You, it's a great part-time job. And, uh, and, and it was, I, I loved it with everything I had. Let's wrap up by talking a little bit about your transition to Los Angeles. As we've discussed already, I've been out here a couple of times myself. It's a big capital B decision. Huge. They can have big repercussions and completely reverse in a moment's notice. Why did you decide yep. to move here? And uh, tell me a little bit about like the, the moving story, the transition. Uh, I lived in Milwaukee for about 12 years. I was doing improv for about eight of those years. I also did a little bit of improv at IO, Improv Olympic in Chicago. Never lived there, but just would drive down there with my buddy Mike Kauf and we would take classes and then we got onto a team. But that was a struggle. The drive was long. I didn't know what I was doing. That was long from improv. It, I, I, was, I was dying. I, I, wasn't, it was, I wasn't funny to me. So I stopped doing it for a while and just kept doing comedy sports because it was closer and they paid me and I felt good. Uh, so then in 2009, at the time I was married and uh, uh, she and I decided to uh, try something different and uh, wanted to move out somewhere warm uh, near the ocean. We talked about Hawaii before we were going to like move back to Wisconsin and, and start that life. Uh, but I wanted to do, I wanted to know some people. I was already in my early thirties at this point and I didn't know anyone in Hawaii. I knew some people in LA and I wanted there to be some kind of entertainment. Didn't have to be the entertainment capital of the world or whatever, but I wanted there to be something where I could do some kind of comedy or whatever. So LA seemed warm, seemed tropical to me um, and had palm trees from what I knew. I realize now it's not Hawaii at all, but I <laughs> certainly compared to when for some in you know southeastern Wisconsin, it feels a whole heck of a lot closer to Hawaii than than uh, let's say Fond du Lac, uh, Wisconsin. I was also unhappy. I was unhappy with my with what I was doing in Milwaukee. Um, I I didn't like my day job. I didn't like I didn't like my life overall. I felt like I was just kind of wasting, uh, just wasting my life or whatever that's that's too extreme it's, it wasn't that dire but i wasn't having my day job but i was doing improv and stuff like that and i had friends and family and all that stuff that i loved obviously yeah but try and try and want to try something different i didn't know what that meant i didn't know that i would i i didn't know what that meant i didn't know what headshots were i didn't know what auditions were i didn't know that i would do any of that i just knew that we're going to move to la and see what that was like and maybe take some classes my friend eric price who's so funny lives out here used to do comedy sports and he was like the best of the best. He was living in LA and I said, I'm going to move out. We're moving out. Where, where should I take classes? I didn't know. And I'd already done comedy sports and I did improv Olympic, which was also out here at the time. And I'm like, I've already done those. So I, 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 I don't need to do that right away. And he's like, well, take classes at UCB. Like it's a hot place and people like it. So I was like, all right, I, I'll take classes there. So I moved out here in the first two weeks, I started my one-on-one class at UCB and um, also ended up doing comedy sports out here as well and improv Olympic uh, a lot, both those places uh, quite a bit, especially improv Olympic, but then started taking classes in 09 at UCB. And by the end of 2009, um, I got onto uh, an improv team because they have like auditions and whatnot. And then also got onto a sketch team uh, at UCB and started doing it. I, I had the good fortune that I could hit the ground running. My uh, my ex had was had a had a good job, and my mm -hmm. company that I was working at Wisconsin went under right before I moved out. So I got to collect unemployment from Wisconsin oh. for like a year and a half. So I could really hit the ground running and kind of really focus in on it. 
yeah. and focus in on it. So the at, like when people sometimes would be like, hey, things worked out for you relatively quickly. And they did. But it's because I had these advantages that others didn't have. I had a ton of improv experience, a ton of it. And uh, so I already knew a bit, even though I learned a ton. It was I, I, it was a huge learning curve still when I got out here. But I, I, I got to be in this small pond versus people who were coming out here in the biggest pond, at the best comedy theaters, and try to make it. It's hard, really hard. Um, and I didn't have to have a day job to like keep me going right away. I got to like just really go after it. And, uh, and, and I did, and it worked out. Enough balls bounced my way. I liked LA immediately, but enough balls bounced my way to keep me interested. As the United Nations Secretary General, I introduced resolution 326. What should we order for lunch? And uh, I got to start doing improv at UCB, and I was doing it at UCB, at, uh, at IO, and at Comedy Sports. So, and then all randomly all over town, I was doing comedy. I was doing improv. The thing I here's the thing I tell people I'm, when I did comedy sports in Milwaukee, I did it all, as much as I could. I saw a ton of shows. I did as much as I could. When I took classes and did shows at Improv Olympic, I would drive down my friend Mike. We take classes and then we drive home. We'd do a show. We'd see the group before us or after us drive home because I had a day job to get to. Never lived there, never got immersed in it. As a result, I didn't understand what the heck we were doing as long-form improv. I'd never done long-form improv. It's so different to me, and I never got good at it there because I wasn't there doing it. So when I got out here, I said, I'm going to do it as much as I can, as hard as I can. So I took as many classes as I could take. I saw as many shows as I could see. I did as many shows as I could see uh, all the time, all the time. I did that for years, and it was a it was a huge help in – like it's it's like it's like the same thing as everything else. I realize there's a certain talent or whatever, that and that – improv has or acting or whatever but it's the same as any other job that you want anywhere in the world you got to put the time in you got to have some you have to have some talent but you got to put the time in you got to be a, you know a person that people don't despise or get annoyed at immediately mm-hmm. um you have to have the right attitude you got to have the ability and you got to have the attendance you got to be showing up it's like the three i tell people it's, it's the three a's attendance ability and attitude uh, you got to have those three things or at least two of those three things really well to compensate for the third but ideally you have uh you have three of them and, and really two of them are fully in your control the ability somewhat in your control but that will increase with the attendance and the attitude so that's what i did a ton of when i got out here i will say uh as someone who's met you through improv and has improvised with you and stuff that is very apparent like uh <clears throat> is we had a lot of great people in our class but i think mm-hmm. immediately a lot of people in our class were just like dave's a good guy and it was just like you have the you have this air about you I, and i think you Thank just you. basically uh reverse engineered it for our, our audience <laughs> and for me so I, i'll take that to heart too uh for sure oh that's so nice thank you thank you and with that, like a class like that like for those of you who are like looking into getting into improv or whatever or you're wondering about this stuff or comedy or acting or whatever it is I, i've told people this um i've told our classmates this uh i was doing improv for 20 years before i did that groundlings class with you Mm-hmm. I've done, I did it a lot. I did it a lot. Some of you, that was like your first class or your first place, like your first place that you chose to go for some of you, not you, cause you were doing a little bit in Orlando, but for some mm-hmm. of these people, it's like they picked arguably one of the greatest comedy schools in the world in one of them. And one of the most competitive in the biggest, like one of the biggest entertainment cities in the world, if not the biggest. And like, this is where they're starting. And that blows my mind. I I would have died. Um, I got to like really cut my teeth in a way more supportive, smaller environment um, where people are just doing it for fun. There was no like no end game here versus the groundlings, which is like 
got to go through these classes. Got to get on it. Got to get, got it passed to get to the next level. Got to get into Sunday company. Got to get it growling so I can get on SNL or get on TV or get an agent or get a manager. Like none of that was a concern or a pressure where I started or where you started. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, the fact that anyone is doing it and not falling apart completely, it's a big win for those people. Me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, would you say that um, UCB has kind of has the same vibe where it's like, okay, it's go time. You got everyone's on. Everyone's trying to move ahead. Or is it a bit more relaxed or chummy? Different. Yeah. Yes and no. Same and different. Same in mm-hmm. that it is competitive. Um, if you want to get on these teams, there's limited spots. It's like, it's, I, I know it's like, it should be the supportive thing. And I, it is, but it's also like every other stinking job in the world. It's like yeah. every other thing where like, I want to be a part of this. Well, there's probably a limited number of seats. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to work at that. I want to be, I want to work at that Valvoline oil change thing. Well, they don't have a thousand employees. They probably have a limited number. So, I mean, they have a thousand worldwide or whatever, but like at this one, yeah. it's limited. So I've got to be good to be able to be accepted there, right? To get a job there, to get an interview there. Same mm-hmm. thing at UCB, same thing at Groundlings. It's no different. And you, some of them are going to get it and some of them aren't. The difference is, is that UCB, you can kind of like take classes. Maybe maybe this is different now, I'm not sure, but you can kind of take classes as long as you want. Mm-hmm. Versus Groundlings, at some point, you get booted out. You're not. We don't think you're good enough, you're out of here. Yeah. Both of those hurt in different ways. You can be feel like you're getting strung along at UCB or any of these other schools. Any of these other schools. This isn't just UCB dependent or, or, or specific. Um, but you could feel like, you're just stringing me along. You're just taking my money. Okay, maybe. Um, maybe that's the case. And you got to like make that decision. Like, how am I going to feel about this? What am I going to do? And again, it's not a perfect system. I'm not trying to defend UCB or these or 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 the individual. Like, it's not a perfect system because these are human beings running this. Versus yeah. Groundlings, you can also be hurt by like, they kicked me out. They don't realize my potential. Like, and now and now I can't take classes anymore because I didn't pass this class twice for whatever reason. And now I'm out, right? Both of mm-hmm. those things can hurt or both those things can be good because you could also look at it as, all right, they let me know I'm done and now I can move on from this. And then yeah, also like mentally move on. Yeah. Mentally move on. UCB has a way larger community because, well, now it's different because now we're back down to one stage. But for a while we had two stages. We had a school and most of the improv, the indie improv scene in Los Angeles is being run by UCB related people mm-hmm. versus Groundlings. That's just not the same. They're trying to change that a little bit. Um, and UCB at the time, now it's different in the post-pandemic world, but UCB had really three stages running seven nights a week um, mm-hmm. versus Groundlings, one stage running f- four nights a week. Yeah. Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five nights a week, mm-hmm. four nights a week, something along those lines, right? And only 30 Groundlings at a time. There's only 30 Groundlings at max. Yeah. So your odds of making it are so slim, uh, mm-hmm. which is so hard and can be so heartbreaking for so, so many people. Uh, which I get, and I'm, and I can definitely, definitely empathize, sympathize with them uh, when people don't make it into the Sunday company, get outed from the Sunday company quickly, ousted, uh, or didn't, don't get into UCB. Uh, but it's also it's hard because it's supposed to be this again, it's the supportive, learning, loving environment, you know. But it's also like every other job, every other thing in the world, every other peer group, every other friend group, every other whatever group, where it's like it's limited and not everyone's going to be a part of these things. And you got to find your group and it's hard. <laughs> that was a big di- that was a big speech about that stuff. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it was great. And I think that's one of the interesting dynamics of improv 
where the only reason the art form works is because we're all supporting each other. But by the same token, mm. on the professional side of the coin, we all also have to kind of be competing with each other. We, yeah, we, you we, want to be noticed. Yeah, exactly. So mm. it's I'm not going to say people are duplicitous or anything because that that would be completely wrong. But there is definitely sometimes you'll be working with an improviser and you'll see that kind of that switch flip from where it's all of us mentality to okay, now it's me time mentality. And yep. Yep. that's something you have to be conscious and watch out for in your own performance. In my performance, I try and be aware of that. Same, sure. same. And, I, and I'm and i as guilty as anybody about that, where I, I, I definitely walk off stage and I'm like, man, I did not make that person look good. I really was mm -hmm. like doing my jokes or doing my thing or whatever. Yeah. And I got to be better about helping them and making them shine and them look good. And I mean, that's obviously the, the if the whole world operated like that, obviously that'd be, the world would be a better place. But certainly mm -hmm. improv, it's a team game. Um, but you've seen it. You see shows at Groundlings. You see shows at UCB. We see shows at SAC Theater or the Asylum in Boston or where, wherever the playground. Like mm -hmm. People pop. Def different people we gravitate toward. We're looking at other people for whatever reason. They're talented. They look like us. They feel like us. They act like us. Um, they don't act like us. They look different than us. We're like gravitating towards certain performers. We like to see certain performers. And some of that is like, I just, you know, that performer has a certain gravitational pull. They're just like so funny. They can't be denied, right? Like mm -hmm. it's such an old reference, but like Chris Farley, just you, well, he wasn't going to be denied, right? He's just too funny. And we can't help but watch him. At least most people. Same thing with us out here. And we have to like be aware of like, what does the show need? Does it need a little bit more? I got to take the bull by the horn. I got to kind of get in there and do my, do whatever my thing, or do something that's going to be a, a laugh. Or do mm -hmm. I need to be more supportive in this moment? And we all need to yeah. be, it's a constant juggle and a constant gauge, just like any real, it's really just like any relationship. Like what does the relationship need in this moment? But usually it's collaboration. Usually it's collaboration. The more you improvise with people too, it does start to really feel like a relationship when you're going up week after week with the same group of five or six people. Mm -hmm. You have conflicts that you come back to time and time again. And you also have yeah. a shorthand to get through those conflicts in an efficient manner. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have roles that you kind of fall into because you're with the same mm -hmm. group all the time. So you kind of play these same roles, which, whether you like it or not, same as your relationships. And yeah. you get hurt by certain actions. Uh, you feel you feel like you're not being heard. And it's it is it's a lot like a relationship because it's a group of people. It's your friends. You get you, you know, you, you work with over time. It's like a work relationship. It's like all those things. It's a constant. I've got to listen. I've got to pay attention to what's going on here. Listen and communication. Mm -hmm. If you can believe it, communication and listening are the two biggest uh, things here, <laughs> like they are everywhere. What did you say again? I, I missed that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 you communicated that very well. Meow. <laughs> I'm a dumb little kitty cat. Meow. What the hell are you guys doing? Oh, uh, meow. Mr. Sprawlings makes us act like little kitty cats every day at 1045. But it's only like for a minute. Yeah, not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap up here, uh, let's go back to Cedar Grove in Milwaukee. Basically, I want to know, do you make it back to Cedar Grove or Milwaukee? It, or do your friends from there come to visit you? And how does the old crew react to you popping up on their favorite shows and whatnot? I definitely go back. I'll be back for Christmas. Um, it's it's sometimes I get back to Milwaukee, but I, I always go to Cedar Grove, but then I, I try to get some time in Milwaukee, but my, my family's in Cedar Grove. Um, uh, so that's right. I got to go there cause I want to go there, mm -hmm. but then I'll also try to set aside a couple of days to get into Milwaukee and see friends. Um, 
I, I haven't done comedy sports for a bit, but I, I want to the next time I'm home. I don't know if I will. And I haven't done it for, like I said, for a while um, mm-hmm. because I just have other things I want to be doing when I'm there. Um, even though I love improv, but I get to do a lot of it. So I don't have to scratch it. It's quite so much. Um, and also I don't do short form as much anymore. And that's a muscle that I don't have not flexed in a bit. So I'm probably a little bit scared, but, uh, I do get to go back and I do get to see my friends and I love it every time we try to get together, same with my family and it's really wonderful. And I'm always grateful for that time of truly, I, and I get to laugh with my friends that are in the comedy world and not comedy world. And they all make me laugh just like all our friends do. And they'll come and visit me, my buddy, Nate, who, uh, I've been friends with since junior high. Uh, and now he lives in Texas. We, he came out this past Friday. We went to the UCLA game. We hung out. We went to dinner. It was awesome. I loved it. It was mm-hmm. so great. So I'm always happy when my friends come out. Um, and then uh, uh, um, when I'm on TV, if they get to see me, they'll some, sometimes they'll send me texts or a <laughs> screenshot, wherever they'll say they saw me or else they'll put it on their social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're supportive of it and they're kind about it. Is it, is it like, wow, a world, this is our whole world. No, they got their own life going on. They got their own stuff going on. And luckily, thankfully, n- not that I'm, uh, 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 you know, uh, on, uh, on a show constantly all the time, but I am on enough to where it's not such an event where they're like, we saw you for the first time in a thousand years. Finally, you did something. You know, I get to do something here and there. So that's not as, as the first time I was on something was like a huge a bigger deal, you know, to me, to family and all that stuff. But now it's still good, but it's like, okay, he's earning a living and he's great. He's not homeless. So that's a plus. We're happy for that. You're you're the person they trot out to brag to their friends, but they don't really like, you know, okay, we got to watch Dave's on tonight on the con. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, okay. Dave's on for what? 40 seconds. I think we can skip this one. Uh, we'll move on. But they are happy. They they do think it's fun because it's also different mm-hmm. than what they do for a living. Just like I'll talk to them about their jobs because it's so different than what I'm doing. They'll yeah. talk to me and ask me questions because it's <clears throat> it's a different lifestyle. Like I, I, it's not as, you know, it, it doesn't have as much structure as what they have to do for their nine to fives. Yeah, but it's great. All right, Dave. Well, uh, thank you for staying with me an extra 40 minutes uh, today. Um, oh, Toblowski'd it. You Toblowski'd. You, totally, <laughs> you beat a Toblowski. You have gone past Toblowski, oh, I think. Oh, so, yes. Finally, so uh, sorry people, to all the listeners for droning on. <laughs> people have been <laughs> wanting people, someone to surpass Toblowski for years. You finally done it, Dave. Congratulations. Oh, I, I I beat the way bigger name and the person that people like gravitate <laughs> toward way more. They're like, oh, this other guy that we don't have never heard of, he did longer than Toblowski. What did he have to say that was more than Stephen <laughs> Toblowski? Either way, not worth it. Ironically, 15 minutes of it was talking about Stephen Toblowski. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where he got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't mention me once. <laughs> no, it, well, actually, right at the end, he was like, I, I was on this show. No, I'm kidding. He didn't mention you. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> but if people uh, not only want to mention you, but come see you perform around here in Los Angeles, uh, wait, where can they check you out at? They can check me out. I'm in the last Friday of every month uh, over at UCB in my group called Bangarang. Uh, I've also got some shows coming up at UCB called Town Meeting. And then I'm, I'm randomly throughout the month um, 
uh, at random different shows. So they'd have to check the old calendar or follow me on uh, Instagram at Dave Tooney, uh, Dave Tooney, not dot, dot, not dot com, just at Dave Tooney. Um, and then I'll usually promote, promote it in an annoying fashion so they can see that there if they want. That's like really the only place I'm really promoting it that much. I guess a little bit on Twitter, but also I barely ever look at Twitter. And also, what is it now? Yeah, I've noticed I tagged you in like three things and you didn't like any of them. Oh, no, I haven't opened it in a minute. I have not if, opened it in a minute. At first, I thought Elon Musk was standing between us, Dave, but I'm glad to hear that it's just <laughs> you didn't make it under the app. I deleted it. I deleted it a while back, uh, and I was like, I'm I'm done with this thing. I, I got to like simplify my life. And then a few months ago, maybe a year ago, I was like, all right, let's put it back on, but don't post anything. Like Maybe promote some shows, but don't, don't look at yeah. it much. So I, it's like a concerted effort to not look at it or deal with it because uh, like, I don't like a lot of people. I never feel better when I get off of social media than before I got on it, it always makes me feel worse uh, because I'm, um, I'm, 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 com- I'm often comparing and that doesn't do anyone any good. So uh, it's crummy. So if you ever see me post those and, and you find yourself like comparing yourself and going, I'm not doing what he's doing, know that I'm feeling the exact same way. And I'm also <laughs> comparing myself and not feeling good. So we're all doing it. We're all, we're all posting our best stuff and making other people feel bad. We're all doing it. Excellent. Well, definitely make sure you guys follow Dave if you want to be miserable, because he, he just said he'll make you miserable just uh-huh. like him, which will be perfect. Absolutely. And then everyone's on the <laughs> same level. Yes. All right, Dave. Well, we want to thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I want to thank you guys for watching, too, both on the live stream over at my Bill Meeks YouTube channel, or if you're watching the DVR over at the Where I'm From podcast YouTube channel. Definitely encourage you to subscribe to both of those if you don't already. I also recommend if you like the show, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, an honest one. It can be one star saying Bill sucks. That's fine. Uh, We just need some numbers on there. So go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a nice review. And you can find links to the show notes, uh, the live streams, the finished episodes, everything at BillMeeks.com slash where I'm from. Well, that does it for this week. Join us next time when I talk to somebody else about where they're from. See you soon.